0: What we know now as these little luxuries, like the ability to be a woman and sign up for a race, which seems like nothing these days, right? I bet women make up a vast majority of the people that are out running um, races. But to know that had to start somewhere, that little act of change and advocacy, um, it really makes you think like everything we do has this greater impact on our personal, and other people's well-being.
1: This reframing of the way we think about voting from this private, personal, very individualistic activity into something that can be used as an agent of change that's not just about
0: you. That was my first ever hate message on Instagram, but I got my first hate comment on Facebook also this year.
1: For a lot of us, it's really anxiety-provoking, even if it's just a stranger on the internet. It can be stressful, stressful for me.
0: Because you said something that made someone feel something enough to respond. Like this isn't you with vanilla frosting on top. This is you with your rainbow sprinkles. Hello and welcome to Shiny Objects. I'm Jamie King.
1: And I'm Elise Mason. We're founders who also happen to be cousins
0: and best friends. After over a decade of working together, we're pulling back the curtain and getting raw and real about the messy business of work, and the reality, and sometimes fantasy, of what it's like to be your own boss.
1: Hi, Jamie. Hi,
0: Elise, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. You know, it's it's fine. My mood is fine.
1: Fine feels like a victory these days, honestly. Yeah, I
0: agree. Fine is fine. (laughs) So I will share some unimportant, important news with you today. And it's just really like my excitement and also sort of a it's almost like a push that I really needed. As you know, I got back into swimming this summer. And not in any way because I'm trying to compete or anything, but just for fitness and sort of joy of being in the water, in an open body of water. And the one thing that has halted me has been it's gotten too cold to swim. (laughs) The last time I went in, my heart or my chest seized up. Like the first stroke I took, it was like, okay, all right, it's cold. And I have a shorty tri-wetsuit that, I had from like over a decade ago, but no otherwise wetsuit in my possession. And this brand Orca, um, I just started working with. I'm doing a series of yoga videos for swimmers, and which I'm really excited about. And they sent me a super sweet wetsuit, and it's like full length. It's designed for open water swim. And it is just the push I need to get my butt back in the water and not complain about it being too cold. Oh my gosh, that is so perfect. That's amazing. I know. I'm pretty pumped about it. Also, I just have to tell you this because I'm super excited about this thing that's brewing in my freezer at the moment. Here I am with my freezer treats So truth be told, I saw this on, I think it was TikTok or Reels or one of the, you know, one of those, the founder of granola butter was putting granola butter into ice cube trays and then like topping them with various things and making like these like fudgy granola butter bites. So I tried that this morning and I topped it with this nature's path granola that I just got, which I'm pumped about. And I'm about to have like another frozen treat at my disposal. So I will tell you how it goes, but I'm very excited to eat it. I've been thinking about it like pretty much all morning.
1: (laughs) Oh yes. Oh, I can't wait to hear how it goes. It's going to be so good. This is going to be the best thing that happened in 2020. So my unimportant, important news has me feeling a little emotional and a little bit surprised to be emotional, but I just passed on my ergo baby carrier. And Definitely a purger when it comes to kid stuff. I don't have any sentimental attachments to the outfit they wore home from the hospital or anything like that. So I'm always like, as soon as that era has passed, let's pass it on to the next person. Like, move along here. So I just passed my ergo baby to a new mama. And I was a little bit sad about it. And I think because the ergo was my first sort of step back into freedom and feeling like I had hands again and I could get things done. And it went everywhere with me. It was just my constant companion, everything from baby naps to hikes to traveling to just making dinner or cleaning the house. It was just always on me with a little human inside for a long time. And yeah, so I'm feeling a little a little sad to see it go even though I'm really excited for it to have another mother to help and another baby to hold. I kind of miss it.
0: Yeah. You know, it's funny. I I passed mine on a while back and I felt really good about it. I mean, there was no way at a certain point that my son was going to ride in it anymore. He was like, um, no. Um, <laughs> but I, I think I'll feel that way about my Bob. I'm pretty like attached to just having mm-hmm. that ride for him and you know that time that we can share but I'm sure it'll evolve into something else so yeah but I think that one will be harder for me to part with I feel like my ergo I loved it it was great it's useful and it was you know got me through those early stages but yeah once it was done it was just for us it was just done there was a very like definitive time shortly after he really discovered his own legs that he was like yeah no I'm not I'm not gonna ride in that there's no way
1: it's funny, both of my kids had moments of wanting to get back into the ergo even after it was like really past time for them to be in the ergo um, <laughs> It didn't help that as I was literally like I washed it and was waiting for it to dry finally dried, and I was picking it up and putting it in a bag to like actually deliver to its new owner and my son was having kind of a just a tough day, just one of those you know two year old uh-huh. tough days and he starts wailing get in the ergo I get in the ergo
0: (laughs) and I was like
1: no I'm not gonna put you in here and then have to wash it again (laughs) yeah this is the end of the road for you so it had a good send-off
0: yeah I can't believe he was still riding in it
1: we weren't using it regularly anymore or really at all but every once in a while he'd see it and he would want to get in and it was usually if he was sick or like feeling a little bit off for whatever reason. I think it was his way of just being like, hold me, mom. (laughs) That's sweet. But yeah, it's funny how they let you know when it's time to move on from something. Yep. (laughs) There's no mystery about it. (laughs) There's no mystery.
0: Yeah. It was just like a... And I also think that, you know, in some ways, um, because I have a shorter torso than you, um, and he like, I think also it was just like, we were you know, at a certain point, his head was just like blocking my head and the ergo just being, like, <laughs> yeah, just not a, not a good fit for us anymore. Um Sometimes I look at him and I'm like, oh my God, you're like a giant, like you're tall and you're big when I carry you, you're big. Um, <laughs> and it's so crazy. Cause I'm like, I said the other day, just randomly, like I was saying, Someday you're going to probably be taller than me. And Casey goes, and I said, like, I don't know. And how many years is that until you're taller than me? And Casey, my partner goes, oh, probably like six. And I'm like, six? You think he's going to be taller than me when he's eight? Like, I don't think so. I was like, I was thinking more like, you know, 13 years, but (laughs) like eight? I don't think so. Um, But that's a weird thought.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that is
0: weird. (laughs) Yeah, it's a weird thought. Like someday I assume he's going to get taller than me. And uh, I, you know, it's just that thought of like, I won't be able to like carry you anymore or like hold you in that way. And it's just, yeah. And when he said six years, I was like, don't break my heart. Like not eight. He's not going to be that tall. (laughs) Give me a break. (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, just the thought of not being able to like physically overpower my children anymore makes me feel a little nervous. Right? <laughs> yeah, Not that I'm harming them or like con- trying to control them, just that you know, be able to grab them if they want to run into the street or uh-huh, they don't want to go to bed, like haul' them upstairs anyway.
0: <laughs> or like if you need to scoop them up, we you know, into a pumpkin patch and it was like a really long walk to the pumpkins. And, um, you know, and I had to, eventually I had pumpkins, I was carrying pumpkins, but I also had to end up carrying Colby for a little bit of it. Um, not a lot of it, actually, he did pretty well with the walk, but I had to scoop him up. And it was nice to be able to do that just with one arm. Like I had two pumpkins, like across my body. And then with the other arm, I scooped him up and then like kind of had this balancing act for a couple minutes. And that, that's just a, a nice thing to be able to do. It's like a convenience or like survival mechanism.
1: Exactly. Exactly. I guess by the time our kids are taller than us, hopefully we won't be as in need of those of that survival mechanism.
0: That's what you think. But I guess there's
1: always <laughs> teenagers.
0: <sighs> we don't really know, but I guess it's nice to think that. <sighs>
1: Oh, save those problems for another day because we've got other problems to talk about today.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I know. Bigger problems. I mean, broader, bigger Bigger problems. Yeah. So today we're
1: talking about political wellness and I am excited to talk about is because I feel like it's going to help me clarify my own thinking around it, the way that we're thinking about it today. And I should back up a little and say, this all started because Jamie, I think you flagged a quote by Nicole Cardoza, which is wellness doesn't start at the studio. It starts at the polls and we'll link to that post of her in the show notes. But this idea that wellness is not about green juices and cardio or yoga, but it's something much much bigger and much more systemic than those individual personal choices that we make is, I think, a really fresh way of thinking about political engagement. And right now, in a time when everything feels highly charged, I think it's really important that we
0: tie this conversation into wellness and health. Absolutely. I think that the things that we are advocating for for change, it's all relative, right, to our personal and emotional and physical well-being. And I think to ignore that is is just wrong. (laughs) We've all heard the story of the first woman to run a marathon and those kinds of things, those kinds of movements that impact change and what we know now as these little luxuries, like the ability to be a woman and sign up for a race, which seems like nothing these days, right? I bet women make up a vast majority of the people that are out running um, races, but to know that had to start somewhere that little act of change and advocacy, um, it really makes you think like everything we do has this greater impact on our personal and other people's well being. So, advocating for changes um, isn't just for the self proclaimed policy nerds, it's for all of us. And it's all of our responsibility because we like to have that privilege of having wellness and well being. And we need to sort of step it up in terms of. How we're getting out there and making changes and advocating um, for ourselves and for others because it's really important and it, it's more than just that studio green smoothie yoga thing. It, it goes beyond that to you know healthcare, mental well being, your mental health, etc. So it's the physical, it's the emotional, it's the spiritual, it's everything. Yeah, and I would
1: add financial in there too. Oh, I mean, having yeah. access to opportunities and to resources and to capital is maybe the most foundational part of health and wellness right we live in a place where you need to have money and access and opportunity in order to be well which has its own set of problems but how are you thinking about political wellness right now in this we have what 20 something days left to an election that is front and center of everyone's attention How are you thinking about your own wellness in this landscape?
0: The way I'm thinking about it is twofold. I'm thinking about it from the perspective of my responsibility as a business owner to my community during this time that a pandemic, you know, isn't political or shouldn't be political, but it has become that way. And I think because there is no leadership in our administration currently around the pandemic, that it's really inspired me as a business owner to be a strong voice and an advocate for my community safety and to make decisions that feel right. So I think that's sort of one place that I sort of look at this from like a community angle. And then on the other side of things, on an individual level, it has inspired me to be more active just overall in the information that I am digesting, what I'm learning, and the things that I am supporting and advocating for. I have become more outspoken about. And I think for me, that is really just about showing up for the things that matter to me. So, you know, the environment, civil rights, social justice, and in general, our planet. And so I think it's trying to find more ways to really use my platform and my voice to inspire community and the people around me to be thinking sort of more broadly about our overall well-being. And then, you know, I think the two of us, we sort of (laughs) starting with, you know, last year before COVID and before all of this really went down, um, we started thinking about really what that meant to give more access to more people to wellness. And so that feels really good. How about you? Yeah, something
1: that I've been really working on and I've got mixed results in terms of success, but in really managing my consumption of information and news, because being engaged and being informed is really important to me. And I also get really sucked in. (laughs) So finding the balance between Consuming enough so that I feel empowered and informed, and not going so far down, you know, Twitter rabbit holes that my energy and my emotional well being starts to suffer has been a tricky dance. I told you before we started recording that I was feeling really angry, and it's because I went down a pretty bad rabbit hole a couple of days ago. Uh, so I'm trying to reel myself back in. But another challenge that I'm working through is that. There's just so much noise. (laughs) There's so much noise. And so much of it is so absolutist and so hateful and so divisive. And I've been really trying to figure out where to sort of fit my own voice in there because I don't want to add to the noise and I don't want to add or amplify the hate or the divisiveness. But I also have some pretty strong opinions. (laughs) And that's something I feel like I've always struggled with finding the right balance on, uh, but it's like everything else. It's really intensified this year and especially this month. That said, I am feeling at this moment, I'm feeling really inspired because we just talked to Amelia Howe, who's this incredible activist and who's in a generation younger than us. And you can hear our conversation with her on the activist podcast that came out yesterday. But she really spoke about voting in a way that feels like a generational shift in that she spoke about voting as an act of making decisions that will benefit her greater community it wasn't necessarily a matter of her individual preferences or personal feelings though of course those go into it but she spoke about using her vote and her platform in a way that was really conscious of the impact it would have on her broader community and people with less power and less access and less privilege than she had. And that gave me all sorts of feels and hope for this next generation. And just this, you know, this reframing of the way we think about voting from this private, personal, very individualistic activity into something that can be used as an agent of change that's not just about you. Uh, So that gave me hope and it also helped me think about how to exist in the world, you know, in the next month <laughs> at the ballot boxes and then beyond.
0: Yeah. I felt so inspired also. And um so inspired by, yeah, that the generation that she is a part of, I think there's a great deal of young voices that are really emerging and stepping up and getting involved in ways that maybe our generation didn't do as much. And it's It's wonderful and it's inspiring and it, you know, makes us all want to get out and be more active. One thing that she said that I wanted to come back to what you said is you were feeling kind of angry and sort of spiraling about something. And one of the things that I really loved that she talked about in terms of taking care of her own wellness when she is an agent of change. So, you know, in my mind out there serving others by offering up information and Putting herself on the front line, so to speak, of making big changes that impact all of us. One of the things she talked about, you know, in terms of caring for herself, her own well-being, in that sort of wellness, um, uh, sort of more like on the holistically like wellness front, was really having like a place to feel the feelings and vent and talk. and And so I was thinking about you feeling like super angry and needing to sort of get out of that dark place, but. I Don't know, maybe taking that page out of Amelia's book and just allow yourself to feel angry for a little bit and just note, be like, Yeah, it's okay, I feel really freaking angry about this.
1: Yeah, I think even just saying that I feel angry <laughs> lets some of the pressure off. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, I met my friend Christina for a run early this morning and. She's like, "Hi, how are you?" And I'm like, "I'm angry." And then I just let it all out, and it was really cathartic. So, thank you, Christina, for listening, and thank you, Jamie, for listening. <laughs> I unleash on both of you today. Um, yeah, but it's true. Giving ourselves like a "quote unquote" safe space to let those feelings out instead of letting them simmer is so helpful.
0: Yeah, and I think to another point you made, I I, I find that the the information overload, like trying to figure out, you know, what to read, what not to read, how to filter it so that you're not overwhelming yourself. And so that, you know, anybody, because like we're all sort of in that age of just like, there's so much out there and it's hard to filter through the noise. I feel that so hard. And I feel like I have a lot of reliable sources that I go to for information and stuff that I can tune out of. And I have to give a shout out. I have been listening to a podcast called The Argument, and it's a New York Times podcast. It's a little bit like political nerds, but in a really digestible way, and it takes sort of both sides of the coin, and I, I find it really – it's really well done. So if anyone's looking for like a place to get information or just hear from people of all Sort of different sides and views and opinions. It's a good place to start. It's definitely been keeping me company on some runs and walks lately. And yeah, and it's nerdy but like digestible at the same time. <laughs> oh, that's great! I'll have to add that to my rotation. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm really interested to know how 2020 or <laughs> the last maybe four years has this reignited your political flame. Has this started the political flame? Yeah, I feel like this has really
1: lit my political flame, like so many people. (laughs) I was always peripherally interested in politics, and I kind of kept an eye on what was going on, but in no way like I have done basically since the 2016 election cycle. With the Obama years, I let myself get complacent, I trusted who was in power, and didn't pay attention to a lot of the details. And actually, since becoming more engaged in the last four or five years, I've learned a lot about what happened under Obama that I don't necessarily agree with or that I take issue with. And so it was a good reminder that even if you think, okay, my guy's in office or you know, my party's in office, that we have to be always paying attention. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I've, I've swung to the other side of the pendulum where now I'm a little bit obsessive <laughs> about the news. And I don't think it's, necessarily a a healthy place to be, which is like, like I said, you know, trying to dial it back um, so that I'm informed, but not overwhelmed.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. I feel the same. It's reignited a flame. However, I will say, and I have a confession is that I got not only complacent, but I would say even just lazy. And my confession comes from the fact that I don't know, you know, people probably don't know this because I own a fitness business and I teach yoga, et cetera, et cetera, but I was a political science major in college and I laugh because there was this time in my life where I felt like I knew quite a bit that was going on and I had a pretty good grasp of history in the political sphere of and I took it pretty seriously. I was even, I don't know if people know this, because this is like one of those things I did in college that didn't necessarily match up with the other. It was my nerdy side. I was um, on the marketing chair for our political science association. <laughs> and then I just got more and more complacent. And especially during yeah, Obama administration, I felt like, yeah, this is like leadership I trust. And I feel pretty okay with this. And my sense of activism was sparse. <laughs> and so, yeah, I have definitely re-sparked and I, I have a lot of strong opinions. I think one thing you were saying earlier was like how sometimes you would find yourself like kind of trying to strike a balance because, you know, you don't want to get into this weird space, but like share what you're sharing online, etc. And I, you know, I also do that. I, I try and check a balance, not just because I don't want to oversaturate with my own voice and the things I'm saying, but also because for my own wellness, my own mental health during this time, some things I have to process and just, you know, stay within like, I have to just be like, okay, I need to process this and really think about it. And I don't want to get like, I don't need to hear anybody else's opinion on this. If it's something that I already am just like, my mind is made, you can't tell me differently. However, I posted a uh, reposted somebody else's it was like a meme that somebody else had created. And it was basically about social justice. It was about anti-racism. And I reposted it. And I had some commentary about the Trump uh, supporters of Trump and the Trump administration in general, um, along with that post. And I got my very first ever. And I, I think I've been on Instagram. Let me say, like, I don't know you know, probably, uh, I don't know, seven, eight years, or something like that, whatever, who cares, but a long time. And I got my first actual angry DM and it made me so happy. I was so thrilled <laughs> because, and I not because I like made someone mad necessarily. It's not like that, ooh, like, I'm ready for a fight. It felt really good in that I, just by reposting somebody else's post and just adding a comment to it, That I made someone feel so insecure in their own choices that I made them think and then I made them react. And, you know, whether or not I changed that individual's opinion, I was like, wow, you know what, we do have a duty to be active and to say the things and, you know, to be just to be more political, to really have a stance on something. And it made me really realize that again, and not just get lost in the, you know, the day to day where you're just kind of like moving along and you're like, yeah, everything's whatever. It's fine. I can just ignore like mostly what's going on around me. And I, yeah, that just felt really powerful. I was like, I got my first like hate mail and, and it was great. I reposted that also and let people see it because I think that's important um, to just be like, yeah, if you put yourself out there, you might get stuff that you know, people come out, you know, they come back to you and, it. you know, they feel very personally attacked by something that you're saying, even if it's, (laughs) it's not a personal attack, right. But I affected that person so much that, you know, it angered her enough to respond to me. And also this year, the other thing is that was my first ever hate message on Instagram, but I got my first hate comment on Facebook also this year, which felt also amazing. And the funny thing about that one was I I just posted, I literally posted an article. It was this great opinion piece. And I think it was in the Washington Post. And it was about this business owner just speaking about the protests. And it was their opinion on what had happened. And I want to say they were Indian American family um, that owned this restaurant. And it was a really good article. And I just posted it. I just wrote powerful. I didn't say anything else about it. And this person commented with this – I mean, she didn't read the article. She completely didn't understand the premise of it, but got really mad about what I was saying and I think called me like radical left or something crazy. But um, anyway, it and it felt really thrilling because, again, I was like, I think the more we use our voice and, you know, we can – help inspire more change, even when our voices sometimes feel so small. And I think that's what I'm talking to Amelia and, you know, hearing her again. The episode hit yesterday was just that, yeah, you know, get out there and not only, you know, use your platforms and your voice to sort of, you know, shout it out and let people know what you're feeling and where where you're leaning and sort of what you're fighting for, but also get involved locally. Um, and I loved that because she was saying she can touch her friends and her family, these these little direct connections that are just as important. That's so smart. And it's such a great way to think about it and to think about every word we say, every choice we make, you know, how we vote, et cetera, we impact each other.
1: <laughs> yeah. And we may not even know who we're impacting.
0: Yes. Like the, the person who hate DM'd me, I don't even know her. I didn't actually even know she followed me and that made it even more thrilling <laughs>
1: See, I love that you find it thrilling when people hate respond to you because I think for a lot of us, it's really anxiety provoking. Even if it's just a stranger on the internet, it can be stressful. (laughs) Stressful for me. The
0: funny thing (laughs) is it doesn't stress me out at all. It's really thrilling. And I don't want to make it sound like, because this isn't where it's coming from. I'm not trying to provoke somebody. I'm not poking the bear. I'm not looking for a fight. Um, So if you're looking for a fight and you think I am by me saying this and you're listening, don't just send me hate mail just because you think that's what I want. (laughs) I don't. What's thrilling to me about this particular instance was that it makes me feel like this person who was like politically minded in college and had a lot of convictions and a lot of cares to becoming an adult and sort of just like letting that stuff slide away um, and then becoming complacent. As you said, that was my confession into somebody who's kind of reignited the flame and is standing a little bit more sure and more firm in my beliefs and my stance. And I don't know, and just having a, having my voice back, I guess, where I felt like, oh, oh yeah, that's you. That's your voice. Because you said something that made someone feel something enough to respond. Like this isn't you with like vanilla frosting on top. This is you with your rainbow sprinkles. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. can I be like the queen of terrible I don't know is that a metaphor can we just say that I'm like the queen of that I come up with these strange examples that probably don't make any sense my partner Casey he's very black and white about things I'm sure if I said that to him he would be like can you explain what that means and I'd be like duh it means I'm no longer vanilla frosting I'm rainbow and he'd be like I, I don't like he would not under you know he'd be like I don't that's yeah it's not funny and it's not relevant And I'd be like,
1: "Oh, okay." He's like, "Where does this go in my spreadsheet?" (laughs)
0: Yeah, (laughs) but I like vanilla frosting. (laughs) Uh.
1: (laughs) Have you changed who you follow or listen to? I know we've talked about this a little bit, but how is your own consumption of not news but other people? Oh yeah, changed.
0: Oh yeah, and not so much that I've changed like. I didn't go on this mass follow of all you know new people, whatever. It, it's been a lot of people that I've always sort of followed. I think it's more on the other side of things where I have massively muted. And I think we did talk about this, but one thing we didn't talk about was that, or at least like sort of the, the more of the reasons behind the muting. Um, I think that again, I played it safe. I, I don't know. I got in this weird default place of playing it safe. And I think it's because before we rebranded, Um, I was really concerned about sort of upholding this image of this Starbucks toting Disney princess person that I am not. And I was really careful about the things that I would say because of that. And I think now that I am being less sort of filtered in a good way and I'm allowing like my opinions and the things that I really do feel strongly about to be out there and, you know, here on this podcast, on Instagram, wherever. If you ask me, I will have those opinions. Um, I'm not going to shy away from things. I think it's empowered me also to just be like, I am so bored with following and engaging with this person who I literally feel no connection to. And also like they're going about as if COVID doesn't exist. You know, they're like doing things online where I'm just like, I just don't agree with that. I don't want to support it anymore. And I'm not going to. It's so,
1: so fascinating to me the different realities that people are living in based on social media. And I know social media is not an accurate representation of our lives, but there are literally people who are acting as COVID doesn't exist. And they're just like, they're in indoor spaces, they're in crowds without masks, they're putting other people at risk by not wearing a mask, even in places like the grocery store. It's wild to me that we can be living in such alternate realities.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that is the place where it feels nice to just be able to not listen to that stuff or just mute it or just be like, I don't need to even engage with it because it's so far from like where I am right now that it literally makes me feel like I'm watching, I don't know, some show that I don't want to watch and it's that power to just turn it off or change the channel and yeah, and I, I have fully embraced that power. My remote control is getting a lot of use lately. <laughs> In more ways than one, my, my metaphorical remote control and my literal remote control get a lot of use these days. So I'll, just, <laughs> I'll go ahead and admit that out loud also.
1: Quick politics break. What are you watching on your real remote control right now?
0: What am I watching on my regular remote control? Do I yeah. even want to admit this to anybody that's listening?
1: The queen of bad TV, I come know, on! But this does Literally. not
0: do me any favors in terms of like where people <laughs> <laughs> rank me in like an intelligence meter. But I'm watching the most recent, and I think it's tw- it's from 2019 season of Married at First Sight. I I I love it. It's so bad. I mean, the the whole premise to get married, like meet somebody on your wedding day, is absolutely crazy but oh my gosh there's this couple i'm so in love with them i really want them to survive and who you know they if i looked up their names i'm i i would hate to say it but i'm probably certain could be certain that they probably aren't still together Uh, but they're so cute i just root for them i just root for them as people i just i think we'd be friends in real life so that's that's what i'm watching i'm watching that oh and I just started hats off to uh, my mother-in-law, Pam, who listens to the podcast. She'll appreciate this. I had no idea that Schitt's Creek, there was a a whole nother season. And so I just started watching the newest episodes and I'm, I'm obsessed. I love Schitt's Creek. So I'm very happy with, with that, David and Alexis. I love you.
1: Watching Married at First Sight is the perfect brain checkout self-care we all need. It's an emotional release and escape.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's so many parts of that show that are so dumb, but I get so fascinated by I always want to know. Like I wish I could like, interview all of the cast and just be like, what actually motivated you to get on this show? What possessed you? You woke up one morning and you were like, "You know what sounds fun? I'm going to get married to somebody I've never met." And I think that's what fascinates me.
1: Remember when we thought 90-day fiancé was crazy?
0: <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, that show's good we have too. Married-
1: It is. It's really good. Uh, What about you? I'm watching Little Fires Everywhere. Ah. Which I know I'm way behind the times on this, but it's really good. And I have to pace myself because I find the baby-mother separation super triggering (laughs) because I have no tolerance for anything anymore. I can't handle anything scary. I can't handle sad babies I'm such a snowflake when it comes to TV and I'm not afraid to say it
0: out loud. I watched it. Um, I also read the book and I wanted to like both the book and and the show more than I did. I find everybody to be in their own way hard to like and I envisioned some of the characters differently and that always happens to me when I read a book and then I watch something. Yeah, I agree. At least where I'm at, the characters are really hard to like. Even the one
1: that I thought that I liked just did something where I'm like, oh, I don't actually like you that much anymore. So yeah, I hear you on that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a, yeah. I mean, the, the, there's a great cast in it, right? Kerry Washington and Reese Witherspoon. And um, I think all the kids are amazing. I don't know why it made me feel ragey watching that for some reason. So <laughs> I probably should have just stopped when I was in it. Speaking of wellness, just turn it off.
1: (laughs) Go back to reality TV. Mm -hmm. It's where you belong. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah.
1: Yep. 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 I've been eating a lot of ice cream with my TV lately. I don't make it myself like you do, but I've had a lot of nights where I put the kids to bed and then once they're down, I dash over to the grocery store for ice cream only. That's been part of my wellness practice also is eating a shit ton of ice cream in front of the TV.
0: Oh, I love ice cream, Um, so I fully support that. (laughs) Do you have a favorite, is there like a favorite go-to brand or flavor? What are you eating?
1: I've been eating a lot of Teo Gelato, which is an Austin gelato company. And they have a peanut butter flavor with some kind of chocolate in it. I think it's like chocolate chips or something. I don't even know, but the peanut butter part is what I get it for. And it's this really delicious, super creamy peanut butter gelato. And most commercial ice cream makes me feel a little sick to my stomach. But this brand, I can eat the whole pint and I feel fine. So Um, it's my go-to.
0: I'm down. I want that. I actually have heavy cream in the freezer right now. I have to make some ice cream this week. So that's on my list of things to do. Maybe I'll make a peanut butter ice cream. I might make peanut butter. Funny. We went from me talking about wetsuits and food, like, Food that I just put in the freezer, frozen treats, and then to ice cream. Hold on, I have one more question oh, for you
1: about politics. Yes. This can be the politics sprinkling on our ice cream sandwich.
0: The rainbow sprinkles.
1: Making. What are you going to do on election night? Knowing that we may not know the answer for a while.
0: To be honest, I don't know, it's hard for me to see that far into the future in terms of, you know, what I'm actually going to do on that day. I think I'm not going to get in the sort of doom scroll or the news scroll. I want to just step away from it and, you know, do something for myself. Like maybe it's an escape for a really long run. I haven't been able to get out on the trails for a bit because our local trails have been closed for a few weeks and they're reopening soon. So maybe that'll be when I spend a longer time out just to decompress. We've also been talking about doing like a quick fall camping trip. And so maybe that's the time to just be off the grid for a moment. But we haven't firmed anything up. What about you? Maybe you have a better answer than me who's like completely like, I just don't know. <laughs> no, that's
1: that's why I'm asking. <laughs> I anticipate that I will not be able to stay away from doom scrolling or watching results come in, but I would like to not do that. So I'm just asking around,
0: getting ideas. I think that I'm going to find a way to be, like I said, somewhat distracted, but we'll see. Yeah. I could be lying to you. You could see that from my Instagram feed that I'm just sitting there reposting and being crazy and scrolling and yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I do have a plan to vote. I'm going to vote on the first day of early voting here, which is October 13th for those of you in Texas. So, that's that's the firmest plan I've got around the election.
0: Good. I also have a plan to vote. I will be voting uh, by mail and we have a big blue mailbox the block away that I love actually walking with my son over to. We have been doing our part to support USPS. I actually love to send snail mail, so I'm going to bring him with me and put my mail in. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, because that's right. You do all voting by mail in Oregon, right? We do. Yeah. So I will be voting by mail. And if I can snag myself a snazzy sticker just so that, you know, the world knows that I did, I will. I'm trying to figure out how to do that. <laughs> I never get the snazzy sticker, you know, because it's like we mail and vote. But I am registered. I've been registered for, you know, a long time. But yes, I've gone through all the steps, did all the checking. Okay, we're good. We can vote. Got to vote. So yeah, everybody vote. It's very important. And then, yeah. And I think as Amelia said, like, it doesn't, it doesn't end there though. Like the vote is not where this ends. So stay active.
1: Yeah, absolutely. This is just one tiny step in a huge process.
0: Thank you for the ice cream inspiration and also for getting me to talk about political wellness. And I think we should continue this conversation. Yeah. Beyond the election. Beyond. To the election and beyond.
1: (laughs) I can't wait for that beyond. Oh, my goodness.
0: Uh. Probably regret
1: those words later. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Shiny Objects. If you enjoyed it and want to hear more, we'd appreciate you subscribing and reviewing us on your podcast app of choice. We'd also love to hear what you're going through. Send a 30-second audio clip to hi at shinyobjects.live and we may feature you on a future podcast. Thanks for listening and come back soon.